Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 79, Pandemic Reflections. It's March 17th, 2020, and I'm not going to sit here today and tell you that everything is all right. Each of us, every single one, knows that it is not. No matter how isolated our community, no matter how careful we are, no matter how much faith we have in our own immune systems, every one of us will be affected by the coronavirus pandemic that is sweeping the globe. Events are cancelling all over the place, including the April event I was going to teach at. Artisans and many others with precarious work are being impacted financially. I expect that, in short order, those of us in North America will be strongly encouraged to self-quarantine for several weeks, if not required by all levels of government to do so. And while on the one hand that is absolutely the last thing I want, I am more than willing to do so to protect myself and the people of my community. It's been interesting discussing the possibility with people earlier in the week, when it seemed like more of a down-the-line possibility than an imminent one. Some thought the quietness and the opportunity to do more around the house was appealing, with spring very nearly sprung here on the west coast despite freezing temperatures this past weekend. There is yard cleanup, spring cleaning, and a whole host of things to keep us occupied at our places of residence. Others believe the whole thing overblown. Randy and I have been keeping a very close eye on the situation. After all, as a laser therapist and massage practitioner, he's in close contact with people for a living, and as a freelance writer for the local paper, I meet and talk to a lot of people from all walks of life. We decided today to mitigate the risk to the people we come into contact with and ourselves, and have closed the office for at least two weeks. After all, when I can't get out of bed for a week and take six weeks to recover completely if I catch a regular old cold, I do not want to see what a virus like this will do to my system. And I care too much about others, even strangers, to want to possibly be a carrier that affects them. Another topic that's come up is the idea of community. Of the people I've talked to, those that believe that we'll come together to support each other, and those that believe that many people will just look out for themselves, are about equally split. I find that a little sad, and though I fall into the former camp, I can't help but wonder if the cynicism others are experiencing is justified. One person told me that if I went out and asked for help, people would turn me away because I'm new in town. And yet, that doesn't quite jive with my experience thus far. Yes, sometimes when I tell people I moved here in May, they've joked that they've been here for a decade and are still considered newcomers, but that is usually followed up with expressions of welcome and gladness. An event like COVID-19 will truly define us, individually, as communities, and as societies. Will we choose caring for each other over everyone for themselves? I certainly hope so. I have given some thought when I have had some time. Time has been in short supply the last little bit, as evidenced by the fact that this podcast is over a week late, as to what I will do with my time if self-quarantined. I considered finally knitting Oranya, for which I've had the yarn for a couple of years, but more likely I'd continue to work on my already started knitting and spinning projects. I've thought about making some spinning videos, something I've wanted to do for a while. 
since Netflix is taking away Father Brown at the end of the month, there might also be some binge-watching of the last three seasons of the show. I'll continue to work as I'm able. Phone interviews can still happen. And I'll likely spend some time kicking our cat outside when he decides dinner time should be three hours early and tells me all about it incessantly. I want to fill the woodshed before the summer, and I want to spend some time wedding planning. But I also want to rest and let my brain slow down a little and do some of the brain and body work I've been putting off because I'm too tired at the end of the day. COVID-19 is a pandemic, and that means we each must do what we can, as soon as we can, to help the medical professionals manage it. So on Friday and Saturday, we laid in enough groceries to last us at least two weeks without having to go to the store. We may have to get creative with some ingredients further down the line, but that also provides an excuse to get to the back of the freezer and cupboards. I taught a small spinning class on Saturday at the library, where we observed social distance and still did our best to teach and learn, but that also means my lendrum and a bunch of spindles are here at home instead of the office, and I think I'll just leave them here for the moment. I planted some tomato seeds in a tray on the windowsill to sprout, so I'll have to make space for them in the garden if they do. That will be a project that will be good both physically and mentally. I'm taking supplements and doing other things for my health to keep my immune system functioning as well as it can. And I'm trying to hold a quiet, calm space in my heart and head. A space that fosters acceptance of what is, and keeps room for love, compassion, and community. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Well, I think it's safe to say that the times we live in are slightly surreal, kind of apocalyptic, and slightly anxiety-inducing. But, uh, you know, what we can do is just keep doing things. Keep ourselves busy, and do what we can. And even though my classes have been cancelled at the end of April, I'm still going to prepare for them. You know, I, I want to have a bunch of classes already sketched out so that when it comes time for me to apply to teach at any kind of fiber festival, I don't have to just, you know, think about it. I have a, a stable of courses that I feel comfortable teaching and that I already have the uh, information done up for. So I'm definitely going to spend some time doing that now that I'm mostly going to be home. And I'm also going to work on some other courses too. So yeah, that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, to, to have this kind of time to, to take a step back. And obviously I'm still going to do my freelance work as much as I'm able, but I can also take some time and, and come back to the fiber arts. You know, that's the other reason I want to do a few spinning videos. You know, I've been asked to, to do a little bit of a video about carding and I've been asked about uh, teasing locks as well. You know, all of these little bits and bobs that, you know, some stuff doesn't exist or doesn't exist in a format that makes it easy to understand. So, so it'd be nice to be able to sit down and, and do a little bit of work on that. And so, like I said, I've been asked about carding and, and teasing locks. Is there anything else that anybody is curious about? And I mean, if we're, if we're locked down, I might as well answer some questions. Uh, from from the spinners out there, if there are any. 
I can do a, a video. I can put that on my, my website and my Facebook page. I could do some Facebook lives too. It's a, the, the internet is grand because we can still connect with each other while we're quarantined. So that makes a huge difference. It allows us to continue to, to build our community while we're kind of stuck in our houses. I'd also like to do some more technical spinning, like uh, learning to spin to a specific wraps per inch. That's a concept that is uh, we've introduced into the Master Spinner program, but it's not something I ever learned how to do. So I, before I start teaching it, I really should learn how to do it myself. I think it's a relatively easy concept, but then again, I haven't tried yet. So I'd like to do that. And I may also start working on the article proposal that I had sent to spin off and then completely missed out on because Gmail files your emails for you. And it ended up in the promotions folder. And that was a really sickening feeling to find that when I happened to go through my promotions folder, which I do every three months or so. But yeah, that really, I was very disappointed in myself <laughs> and Gmail. But they're holding it in their submissions folder and because they really like the concept. So, you know, I figure I can start working on that, taking the photos and, and uh, getting the spinning done. And then it's ready for when they call on me for it. So those are kind of the things I'm thinking about in terms of the, the stuff that I would normally talk about in this segment, the, the technical spinning and, and the teaching. It is definitely a strange time. And I think there's going to be a lot of upheaval. But on the other hand, we may be able to get to a point in our society where more online learning and more online working can happen. And that may not be a bad thing. Speaking of learning, let's move on to level five again, module C1, and this is Angora. Now, there's always some question about Angora. People, have, A lot of people have heard of Angora goats, but Angora, the fiber, comes from Angora rabbits, and Angora goats produce mohair, and I know that's super confusing. And I wish uh, it was a little different, but alas, it is not. We have two things, uh, two animals that are called angoras, and one is a rabbit, one is a goat, and they produce two different types of fiber. So angora is the down from a rabbit, and there are four, three or four recognized breeds of angora rabbit, plus one that is not recognized by the Rabbit Breeders Association. They are... Half of them are shorn when they get to the point of having to have their fleece cut, their the, their growth cut, and the other half are, are plucked. So the, the down is coming loose, and you can simply pluck it from their bodies. It doesn't hurt them. And you just need to accept right away that when you're working with Angora, you're going to get bunny fur everywhere. Up your nose, on all of your clothing, all around the room. It's just going to go everywhere. It is just a thing with Angora. <laughs> just what it does. So just accept that. You can minimize it as much as you can. You know, don't have the window open, for example. Um, you maybe get some spinner's milk, but you know, just it's going to happen. So, how do you spin Angora? Angora is extremely fine and quite slick. 
So you're going to spin it fine and you're going to spin it with a high degree of twist and you're going to spin it worsted. Now, I hear you out there thinking, but all the Angora yarns are so fuzzy. Yes, they are. And it doesn't matter <laughs> how tightly you spin it or how fine. The halo that is so characteristic of Angora develops with handling. So you will spin an Angora yarn and it will look completely smooth when you finish, but after you wash it and after you start knitting with it, that's when the halo comes out. The reason that you're going to spin it tight and worsted and fine is because if you don't do that, it's also going to shed. So properly spun Angora from a properly plucked or shorn rabbit will not shed. So this is important to keep in mind when you when you're spinning Angora is that what you may what your experience of Angora is from commercial yarns is not actually indicative of what a true Angora yarn should be like. So there are three skeins that you spin for level five out of Angora. One is 100% Angora, and then you do an Angora, two Angora blends, one with silk and one with wool. Now, why might you do that? Well, Angora is a luxury fiber. It's not cheap, and also it doesn't have any memory. So 100% Angora yarn, you can only do so many things with it well. So you may want to blend it to, to accentuate other qualities. So for the Angora Silk Blend, I did a 67% Angora and 33% Bombix Silk Blend. The yarn retained the halo, which if I would actually handle this a bit more would, would increase the more I handled it. And it has a little bit of elasticity and luster from the silk. So this yarn is, is pretty good. It's really nice and soft and has a, a nice hand to it. My, my Angora wool blend is 60% merino and 40% Angora. I did not want to go any lower than that because if you go any lower really than 40%, you're going to lose those Angora characteristics. The other fiber is going to take over. So in this case, the halo is reduced because of the larger percentage of wool, but it's still got a nice texture and it's got the softness from the Angora. Pairing it with wool, with merino is a good idea because the merino is fine in terms of micron count and it's a good counterpart in terms of softness to the Angora. And then of course the 100% Angora yarn. Again, I spun it really fine and it looks pretty good. Now all of these skeins have not been handled very much. I spun a skein of 100% Angora for the Fall Fair here. That has been handled a lot, and it's got the most beautiful halo on it now. And I really am considering knitting something with it or spinning up more of the Angora that I got and doing something. But it is not the easiest fiber to spin. It definitely takes a bit of practice. And you need to be able to spin consistently at a fine grist to be able to successfully spin 100% Angora yarns. 
I lost a couple marks, uh, one for each skein, simply because of uneven grist. We've had that discussion before. My blends could have used maybe a little bit more blending, and then that may or may not have had an impact on the evenness of the singles. So that's Angora for level five. Next time we're going to talk about yak. And I don't know about you, but I just love yak. Fiber notes. When I went on my trip back to Alberta to go wedding dress shopping, I did end up taking the cabled socks with me, but I didn't get a ton of time to work on it, mostly on the planes, and because it's such a complicated cable pattern, I didn't get as much done as I thought I might. So I got about one pattern repeat done on the leg. I've got several more to go on this particular sock before I can switch to the next one, but I have time now. On another note, my wedding dress shopping was successful. I'm very glad we decided to do it when we did, however, because there is now, because of this pandemic, the supply chain on wedding dresses, the, the delivery date has been increased by a couple of months. So I expect if all goes according to plan, my dress will arrive in Canada in August and we're still aiming to get married in September. So, little tight, but still um, good timing all around, and it was uh, actually a great experience. I was still unsure if it was going to go well as we came up to the first shop, but it did, and I had a good time doing it. It was exhausting, but it was a lot of fun. So I said in my essay that while I am tempted to cast on a new project, I will probably end up working on stuff that I've already got on the needles and on the wheels. So what does that look like for me? I have obviously these socks, Intermingle by Rich Enzer, and that's the red sock yarn that I got in Denmark. I have the Alberta Shawl by Annelise Mygord. Uh, that's hand-dyed Blueface Leicester lace that I dyed several years ago at Fiber Week. There's the smooth sailing ba blanket. It's queen sized. I've got a maybe a hand span <laughs> in uh, height so far that I will just keep plugging away on. And the Shakria cowl by uh, Suzanne Taluri. That's a, a really easy knit. I can just do that when I am feeling that I am lacking a little bit of brain power. And I'm also, I've missed the deadline to submit a pattern for Ancient Arts' new call for patterns for their Lascaux Light. I just didn't have time, but I really would like to swatch for a cowl, an idea for a cowl that I have with this particular yarn. And it will be inspired by certain textures and areas of um, part of my hometown here, a heritage area. So I'm thinking about that. It would be really nice to get to it, even though I have missed the deadline. In terms of spinning, I'm just going to keep working on my Gossamer project. I do have a project here at home for my Hansen, but I think if I can get both 
bobbins done on the Lendrum for the Gossamer project, that would be plenty. Especially combining that with the technical spinning that I want to do. So I'm not going to try and overcommit myself on the spinning side or the knitting side. I'm not saying I'm going to get all these things done. I just, you know, I'm going to work on them. I think that will be really nice because I haven't had a lot of time to, to just sit and work on my fiber arts. So it'll be nice to be able to do that and remind myself of, of how much I love to do this. So I'm hoping for a lot of productivity over the next few weeks. And I'm hoping to finish a couple things. That would be nice. I would like to be able to report to you that I've, I've completed something. Maybe a sock. A sock would be great. Or a cowl. I don't know what it is, but we'll find out in two weeks. By the Wayside I've made a little bit of progress on the back stitching on the princess's dress. Just a little bit. But even that little bit has really shown me that, you know, back stitching is so important. And I really need to learn to not leave it all till the end, especially with a pattern like this. It's just really highlights the, the different textures that the colors are showing. And it, it's looking really good. Now, it's complicated. The the backstitching there's there's so many different colors and pieces and I'm gonna try and work through it one color at a time because that will just make it easier I won't have to remember what color I decided that was and then get to it again later so I'm gonna keep at it and I'm going to be very diligent about actually taking some time over this quarantine period in daylight to actually work on it. Like even if it's just one strand at a sitting and I do one sitting a day on it, that will get me a lot further on the accolade than I've gotten even since I started working on it again. So that will be one good thing that comes out of this is actual progress. And I like that thought a lot. So I'll put a picture of my current progress on my website, on the show notes, and look for something a little bit more substantial in a couple of weeks. Thank you for joining me for episode 79. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 80 on March 29th, 2020. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiberside.